Three more hours to go on a Friday before our weekend hits. Some of you may already be getting off work. If you are, welcome to the program. If you're listening at work, welcome to the program. Wherever you're listening from across the globe, welcome to the Ref Sports Radio Network, the home of Sooner fans. Parker Thune, Travis Davidson with you. In advance of the Champ U Barbecue, kicks off tonight for Oklahoma. Brent Venables and his staff welcoming north of two dozen official visitors to campus. Again, mentioned it last hour, we'll mention it again. We hope to be joined later in the program by a few of said visitors. Four-star Oklahoma wide receiver commit Zion Kearney has informed us that he does plan on coming by later. So, uh, we will at the very least have one OU commit to speak with for a few minutes later on in the program. But, Travis, let's start there with this hour and this installment of The Rush. The Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line is available to all of you whenever at 40, uh, 405, excuse me, 5, 651-3439. 405-651-3439. I almost said 402. God, I know, man. That, it's uh, too ingrained in my DNA, man. Are you missing Nebraska? Because I can't handle the uh, Reddit thread that says Parker Thune is going to be transferring <laughs> back to Nebraska. I just can't handle There's it. There's a Reddit thread? Well, there was for Jordy Ball. Oh, that's, wow. That's what I'm saying. So, I mean, I don't need – I don't know if it's just this time of the year people get to miss in Nebraska, but I'll tell you what. Yes, Nebraska is awesome right now specifically because of Omaha, but the weather, you can keep me away from that corn sweat anytime. For those of you that have not been, uh, you know, a victim of corn sweat before, uh, apparently corn gives off like – 40,000 gallons of water vapor or whatever that like 40,000 gallons worth of water vapor per like one acre of corn planted Uh, my uber driver in omaha told me that and it is it is one sweaty mess up there uh right now so i feel for everybody in the stands but i know they're having a good time as i did and i know the people that traveled with oral roberts are having a good time because i saw the jello shot board and I, I tell you man oh are you oh are you might be sec ready i, I c- c- count that among things i did not expect to see this weekend at the college world series as tcu evens things up with a base hit here 2-2 in the top of the seventh inning or excuse me it's the bottom of the sixth not quite to the seventh yet don't get it don't get ahead of yourself yeah 2-2 score between earl roberts and tcu not texas christian university tcu well, and that's what, you know, uh, Drake actually uh, texted us. Um, Drake Dicon, not, not, not Aubrey. But the uh, UCF did the same thing, branding-wise. UCF really? does not want to be known as Central Florida. UCF is on all of their branding. Um, UCF's kind of – UCF's interesting, though. They were the first ones, if you remember, they were the first ones, like, on their spring game uniforms to put, like, QR codes – <laughs> uh, instead of numbers, do you remember that? Oh gosh, that? I do remember that. So they put QR codes, um, and then they put—I think they put their like Instagram handles or something like that, or something like that. So you know, they've they've long been at least attempting to be on the cutting edge of branding, and uh, so not shocking that UCF um, is is not known as Central Florida. You know what's wild is that currently on this station, we're running a celebratory commercial 
for OU women's softball that features an outstanding call from Chris Plank, the final out of the 2023 Women's College World Series. He's talking about how the Sooners are mobbing Jordy Ball in the circle. That happened eight days ago, Travis. Jordy Ball's already a Nebraska Cornhusker. Already with the pictures of in the uniform, official announcement, all that. It was funny. We were talking uh, um, a couple days ago um, with some people around the station and saying, you know, you got the championship celebration coming. You know, do you think maybe Jordy could have waited a couple days to put it out on social media that she was leaving? Could she have been celebrated with the team, this, that, and the other? And I just thought to myself, man, I hope we have these conversations a little bit more often about, you know, if people should stay for the Sooner Championship celebration, the National Championship celebration before they enter the portal. That's Those are fun problems to have. It's kind of like the problems that Denver Nuggets fans found themselves in, saying, oh, is Jokic going to come to the parade? He said he doesn't want a parade. And I would love to have... I would love to have some of those conversations when when you and, and Georgia fans complaining about uh, about their home slate in 2024 and about how it devalues the their season tickets. All that. I'm like, guys, what you we get we get TCU we we get I mean we we get some bad home games this year. We get UCF like it's Iowa State Iowa State like I I can't imagine being an SEC team and complaining about a home schedule after being in the Big 12 so long. And it, it fascinates me that Georgia fans coming off back-to-back national titles and with roughly 1 million five-stars over the next 20, uh, the 2024 and the 2025 class that are already committed, that they're complaining about the value of their season tickets. Come on now. Miss me with that. By the way, this text is from earlier in the day. Okay. But- uh, Rocket Sooner just chimed in to say, I live near several cornfields south of Dallas, and I was wondering why it's so dadgum humid here. Corn sweat on fleek. But earlier in the day, he sent this text. I think this is a fantastic one. Some nicknames for each game next year. If you aren't licking your chops at this schedule, renounce your fanship. Here you go. The Crimson Clash in Nompton. Okay. The Rooster Roast in Nompton. Ooh, I like that. The New Orange Rivalry in Nompton. Obviously, the Red River Shootout. Then you have the War Dam Eagle game at Auburn. The Bio Bourbon Bowl, Boomer Bait versus Tiger Bait. The Kitty Cat game at Mizzou. And the Sweet Tea Party in Oxford. So there you go. Rocket Sooner has come up with a name for each of OU's eight conference games next season. You know, I like that, and I appreciate that. Um, You know, that's... Which one was your favorite? I think the Rooster Roast is probably mine. The Rooster Roast is a good one, man. I love me some sweet tea. So, sweet tea party in Oxford, that has some appeal. You know, sweet is, tea, I've never been a guy. I've never been a, I've never been a sweet tea really? or unsweet tea guy, yeah. Really? Just don't like tea? Don't like tea. I, occasionally, a, a peach tea isn't, isn't too bad. I like me some peach tea. But just regular tea. I got a buddy of mine, Randy. He drinks gallons of unsweet tea, and it just tastes like dirty water to me. Yeah, unsweet tea doesn't do it for me. Ugh. I gotta have a little bit of sweetness. Ugh, yeah. Sometimes I can't. I'll do half sweet. Sometimes I do. I'll do full sweet. Peach tea, in all forms, is heavenly. Peach tea is good. Oh man. But my thing, like, I don't drink tea. I don't drink coffee. You know, I, you know, bourbon. I like bourbon, but you know. I don't typically, you know, wake up and do that, but yeah, I'm a water, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a seltzer guy, you know, um, 
I need to start drinking Somali pop probably. There but, you go. But other than that, yeah, I'm not not a tea guy. But yeah, I I like those uh, nicknames, and I didn't even know they grew corn south of Dallas. And I think part of that is because I spent my childhood, you know, driving back up to Minnesota through the Iowa cornfields. So I just figure like all corn came from like Nebraska, Minnesota, and Iowa. Corn being grown south of Dallas just throws me for a loop. I mean, I feel like corn is one of those things you can grow pretty much anywhere. It just gets grown primarily in the Midwest because there's a lot of space out there. And it is a good climate for it. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I totally get it. I just don't think of that first. But at risk of running off into the corn-growing, persimmon, anti-stringent, stringent, persimmon fruit, um, rhubarb, anything like that, at risk, we're at risk of going into a, uh, a, a farming show right now. So we'll, we'll get back to uh, some Champ U situation. Well, how about this? What's your favorite barbecue side? Favorite barbecue side. Mm. See, it depends on where I'm at. Depends on... Like emotionally or physically? Both. Okay. Both. Um, I would say, as a general rule, my barbecue side of choice would be beans of some kind. Yeah. That's typically what I go to. Like, I'm assuming you get the bread with the barbecue. You don't got to worry about getting additional bread, right? Uh, yes, we're, okay. we're operating under that, yes. Okay, tracking. So, yeah, I'll usually go for some beans. I'm not big on coleslaw. Uh, creamed corn, if there's creamed corn in the picture, mm. yeah, I'm jumping all over that. Yeah, corn is my favorite uh, vegetable that there is, so um, big on that. Uh, but I like, a, I like a well-done potato salad as well. And when I say well-done, I mean prepared, um, you know, efficiently. Um, with a lot of flavor, a lot of seasoning, things like that. Not that it's literally well done. So, yeah, I like a good uh, potato salad and and corn for the most part. But beans, I don't know, man. I will tell you to tack on to that. Um, okra back to the- from Chase or from Chris A Ooh. from Edmund. Okra. Oh, it backed up by Rusty from the nine one eight with fried okra. Okay, interesting. Back to See, back on the text line. You so, know, there's you know almost a consensus. So my fiance will eat pickled okra. Which Bro, I pickled, am not, I'm not a fan of. What? But dude, pickled anything, man. I do, I do pickles. I do pickled okra, pickled baby corn, pickled watermelon rind, pickled, dude, pickled, pickled well, Brussels pickled sprouts. Pickled watermelon rind, though. Pickled like, Brussels you're sprouts. You're onto something with that. Oh, pickled okra is great. You get the spicy. Ooh, I'll tell you what. The Norman Farmers Market, some great pickled vegetables there. I would highly recommend anybody if you're not, um, if you're not doing anything tomorrow morning, Norman Farmers Market. I'll see you there. All right, we'll get back to more football talk on the other side of the break, but I do want to rewind for just a second and back you up because I was not a tea person at all until literally less than a year ago, and it was Bojangles. It was a Bojangles in Alabama that converted me. I'm a sweet tea convert. Interesting. And I have never looked back. Well, where do you get it here? Not Bojangles. I, well, yeah, obviously not Bojangles. I tried Zaxby's for the very first time this past weekend. Zaxby's has some dang good sweet tea, man. For the text line, if you if you live locally, especially, where's the best sweet tea? How about we'll we'll hit that on? We'll let them populate that while we uh, believe we take a break. Yes, tea takes. Hit the text line with all of your tea takes, and when we come back, we'll dig into this Champion Barbecue visitor list. And which of these prospects visiting Norman this weekend could be expected 
to announce a commitment in the not-too-distant future. This is the rush on the ref, the Homa Sooner fans. It's the rush here on the ref, the Homa Sooner fans. Parker Thune, Travis Davidson with you, winding down on a Friday. We're here until 6 p.m., which is right about the time that things will really kick into gear with the Champion Barbecue. And Travis, looking over this visitor list, I know you've seen the complete list over at OUinsider.com because you're a mod over there, and we appreciate you for I that. am. I am. We appreciate you dealing with the craziness. But as you look over this visitor list, I want you to give me three names. Three names, guys, that you're most intrigued as to what OU, OU will be able to do this weekend with those guys on campus, whether it's players that they have an outside shot at where you feel like there's an opportunity to pick up momentum, maybe Oklahoma's close to a commitment and you feel like this could be what tips the scales for the Sooners. Any way you slice it, who are three prospects for whom you're very interested to see how their official experience goes? Well... I'll, I'll, I'll have yeah I'll have a couple here first I want to start with Nigel Smith because you know lo- for a long time we've said hey look OU looks like he's a lean here he came I mean two years ago you know not this past spring but got the Baker spring game he came on these airwaves you know to be interviewed you know he had just kind of got to know campus and you know, he's got good relationships here. And a lot of people say, you know what, Nigel Smith, let's circle him and, and try and put him in this class. But Ohio State's been after him hard, uh, especially since his buddy Peyton Pierce committed there. And then Penn State, he's fresh off a visit there. But OU has got to lock him up. I think, um, you know, if, if we, you know you talk about the big four, you know, Sims is already off to Oregon. So Smith, Winnery, and then Stone, you need to land those three. So, um and then I really want some clarity as far as running back is going. So I'm going to go with Caden Durham. Uh, obviously, he's here kind of, uh, you know, he's, he's a big track guy, very, very fast. Um, well, I believe, uh, you know, he, he still has, I think, some decisions to make as how involved he wants to be in track in college, and I think that'll, you know, help with his decision a bit. But Caden Durham is a guy who would have been an Oklahoma kid had, you know, his, has, his family not moved. You know, he kind of grew up in the area, of course, with Michael Patterson-McDonald, uh, David Stone, kind of those guys. Xavier Robinson are all are all kind of guys that you see as like, okay, these are these are Oklahoma kids, like you know, in in some way, shape, or form. So, Caden Durham, obviously, uh, between him and Taylor Tatum, you wonder, it, you know, is is Demarco going to land both of those guys? Is he going to be able to kind of stop that momentum that USC seemingly picked up for Taylor Tatum? Uh, or is he going to be West Coast bound? Um, and then, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just based off Twitter activity alone. <laughs> there we go. I'm going to see if Jay Sean Ross is going to pull the trigger, man. Like, it's it, – it, and that's the thing. It's He's been very vocal on the Twitter.com, right? And him pulling the trigger, you know, he's 112th overall on Rival. He's a four-star composite. He is – he, you know, he's from that, you know, from from Liberty uh, in Missouri, uh, and it really feels like we're carving into that area. You know that area very well. Feels like we're carving into that area quite nicely. I would love for Jay Sean Ross to be the next commit. He obviously camped with the Sooners this week. Um, yeah, so I think I think I'll I think I'll stop there, or else I'll just keep going down the list talking about well, him. So what, what say you? And here's here's my big question: If you get Jay Sean Ross committed. 
if Miguel Chavis, more specifically, gets Jay Sean Ross committed, how much more difficult does that make it for Williams Nwaneri to say no to Oklahoma? Because not only does he have P.J. Adebare in his ear, not only does he have Caden Green in his ear, not only does he have relationships with not only Chavis but also Bates and Venables, but you got another edge rusher from right up the road, from your very same metro area, that you've got the opportunity to play opposite. And Jayshon Ross, one of the many things that he said on Twitter to excite OU fans this week is that, and I'm paraphrasing here, but he essentially tweeted, hey, when I commit, I'm recruiting everybody to come with me. And I think he said something to the effect of, I'm an even better recruiter than I am a player or something like that. Yeah, it's interesting because, again, we've talked about his Twitter activity. He's retweeting OU offers. He retweeted that Zion Carney was uh, on the way for his official. Um, you know, he took that Nebraska visit. I get it. But back here, and he did say uh, that he was a better recruiter than the college coaches. Ah, are. there you go. That's so, what I mean – when you, when you're throwing stuff out there like that, I mean, I mean he's tagging Winery in his posts. You know, it's it. He's been very active. I think you get him in the boat, and he's going to be very loud. Jaden Hardy is another guy that's very loud on Twitter about, hey, time to you know time to join OU. You talk about peer recruiters and whatnot. I I Michael Michael Hawkins obviously a good peer recruiter. We'll see if uh, Jay Sean Ross can help with Winery. And I'll tell you what, Miguel Chavis. I mean. There were some valid questions about him when he got hired. He had never been an on-field assistant before. He was compensated well. You know, it's a public university. Everybody knows what people get paid um, for being a first-time you know position coach. And all he's done is just just dominate on the recruiting trail. I mean, even getting I mean, obviously PJ the five-star, R. Mason Thomas that he got real late in that cycle. But even think of the edge recruiting that he's done through the portal. You get Trace Ford and Rondell Bothroyd. Rondell Bothroyd has the highest PFF pass rush win rate of any returning Big 12 player. Obviously returning, you know, because he came from Wake Forest. But, I mean, recruiting that. And then, Jay Sean Ross, you and I spoke about it. He wasn't supposed to be anywhere close to shutting it down. <laughs> no, he was That's not. That's why we talked about him not maybe being in the classes because there might not be room for him. So, now... You're tr- you're telling me that he might be the first defensive lineman through the through the wall? That doesn't make any sense. So, if indeed, which I, I feel like you and I are on the same page, if indeed he does announce that he is committed publicly, then Miguel Chavis, man, uh, I mean, kudos, hats off, any type of respect you can give what he's done on the recruiting trail, he's earned every ounce of it. Well, and I think one very important point you made right there is that when Miguel Chavis was hired, what did we know about the guy? Absolutely freaking nothing, right? And so, yeah, when Todd Bates got hired, people were under, understandably excited. When Brandon Hall came back to Oklahoma, especially based on the defense that he had built at Troy, people were understandably excited. In order to get excited about the Miguel Chavis hire, the only thing you could do was place your faith in Brent Venables. That was the only reason to believe that that was a good hire for Oklahoma. Is if you trusted Venable's vision, you trusted his read on people, came from and Clemson, you trusted that he was putting somebody in a position and a situation that was not going to be too big and too much too soon for them. 
And it hasn't been for Miguel Chavis. He has been dynamite on the recruiting trail. And there are those that in the past have tried to nitpick Chavis's body of work, especially on the recruiting trail, mm-hmm. because they'll say, okay, he got PJ. Well, who else? I don't care who else. First of all, five star. <laughs> I mean, let's be let's be real honest. But I'll let you continue because there's a lot more. I got to I got to see Taylor Wine the other day for the first time in person. That kid looks good. Looks stout. Yeah. Now I have no idea what he's going to be on the football field. Absolutely no way of knowing that. But it's pretty like he's one of those guys where you look at him, you're like, how did he not have any offers until his senior year? Because he's just a very impressive athletic specimen. Right. And even if you rewound the clock a year or so and you tried to look at him and subtract 20 pounds to figure what he looked like as a rising senior, it makes you wonder, even so, how this guy flew under the radar as long as he did. So I like Taylor Wine. I think he's got the opportunity to be a player at the University of Oklahoma down the line. But also – I feel as though we've forgotten who got our Mason Thomas to Norman yeah. and who got Grayson Halton to Norman, who was running point on both of those dudes. It was Miguel Chavis days, not weeks, not months, not years, days on the job at Oklahoma. Yep. Hadn't even unpacked yet, I don't think, and just said, hey, look, we got to go get dudes, and found our Mason Thomas. And, Parker, our Mason Thomas might lead the team in sacks. <laughs> I mean, That's what I'm saying, man. Like – if you're asking me who leads Oklahoma in sacks this fall, I, I'm bullish on our Mason Thomas being that guy as a true sophomore. And for him to touch the field as a freshman, a rather undersized freshman at that, speaks to the notion that I mean, Miguel Chavis got a good one in that dude. Can you, ima- can you imagine if they never offered our Mason Thomas and he just stuck it out with Iowa State? Good Lord. Much like Will McDonald, right. he'd be one of those guys that three years down the road, and you know Oklahoma wouldn't have, have had to worry about it at that point because they'd be in the SEC, but three years down the road, it's a guy that would be in the top 20, top 25 NFL draft consideration. Right, and but where would you put, you know, kind of, you know, if we were to rank, wouldn't you put, if Jay Sean Ross announces, it, you know, after this weekend, that's got to be up there as maybe the most impressive recruiting job from Miguel Chavis, just based on what the timeline, what we thought it might be, and how accelerated that seemingly has become. I would agree. I would actually agree. And people will hear that and they'll go, well, he recruited a five-star last year. How is that not the most impressive? Well, I think it was a very impressive eval by Oklahoma. But you must keep in mind, Oklahoma had P.J. Atabari commitment or they had him committed long before he was a five-star. So they didn't have to engage in a dogfight with the top-tier programs of college football down the stretch the way that you would typically have to do for a five-star prospect. And in one sense, it's impressive enough that they identified a guy with enough character to just stick with his commitment to Oklahoma after rising to that level nationally and getting looks and getting calls from Notre Dame and Ohio State and Georgia and LSU. So, yeah, that's impressive, but I agree with you in that with Jay Sean Ross's timeline accelerating the way that it has and Miguel Chavis putting in the legwork to potentially get him in this class a lot earlier than any of us anticipated a month ago, 
yeah, to date, this is probably his most impressive recruiting job as a staffer at Oklahoma if you get Jay Sean Ross committed. If, you know, we don't want to count our chickens before they hatch, but people feel good about it. Monster Truck Guy says Chavis has done a better job recruiting already than all of Mule Shoe's years combined. On the defensive side, yeah, for the most part. I mean, Jamar Cain was cooking. Uh, he had Marvin Jones Jr. ready to commit literally days after Bedlam. Like, he was coming in that Monday to commit to Oklahoma. Um, so, he, he he brought in some dudes. But, yeah, I mean, that defensive staff – like, and that's what we were talking about yesterday, Parker, is you have to – in the how long should we give Venables if he has a bad season this year, like, you do have to take into consideration that he potentially could have four – Five-star defenders signed in two classes. That's more than Stoops had. That's more than Riley had. I mean, that's a that's a level of defensive recruiting we have not seen in decades at University of Oklahoma. So you have to take that into consideration as far as a talent acquisition. Like, that matters. Let's talk about the last time Oklahoma signed four five-stars, period, over the course of two classes. You have to rewind to the 2018 and 2019 recruiting cycles. The individuals that Oklahoma signed in those classes, the five stars that comprised that quartet, try Spencer Rattler, Theo Weiss, Jaden Hazelwood, and Bray Walker. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that you're going to get a little bit more in the Crimson Cream out of P.J. Atabare, Peyton Bowen, and potentially David Stone and Will Nwaneri than you got out of those four. Well, you know, Jackson Arnold in there, too. Let's let's go ahead and throw that five-star in there. Oh, I thought we were talking – okay, yeah, sure. I thought we were only talking defensive players. Right. But, yeah, when you add in Jackson Arnold, a guy that has the opportunity to contend for a Heisman Trophy within a year or two, yeah, I like that. <laughs> I feel like a lot of Sooner fans like that. All right, we'll continue to field your text on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line as we roll on here on The Rush on a Friday talking Champu Barbecue and the future of the Oklahoma recruiting cycle as they get upwards of two dozen top targets on campus this weekend for their OVs. Keep it here on The Ref. The home of Sooner fans will be right back. The Rush on a Friday. Parker Thune, Travis Davidson with you on the Ref Sports Radio Network, the home of Sooner fans. The Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line always available to you at 405-651-3439. Gunny of Stutzman's Army chimed in on the text line to say, boys, you ain't had sweet tea till you've had some of Gunny's tea. It'll get you there. Yeah, I'm kind of like, knowing what I know of Gunny – I'm kind of skeptical to drink his sweet tea. Yeah. Because is it going to get me high? Yeah, it'll be tea uh, with an HC behind it. Um, so, uh, yeah, I probably uh, I probably won't be shaking. But I'm just not a tea guy. I don't know what it is. I've just never been a tea guy. That's fine. I don't drink tea. I don't drink coffee. And I, the reason I don't drink coffee is because... You know all those, uh, you know, kind of gimmicky mugs or T-shirts or calendars that say, don't talk to me unless I've had my coffee or don't talk to me. Like, I think I just got almost conditioned to think like, man, coffee just makes you like hate everybody and hate life and hate yourself until you've had it in the morning. So I just 
decided that I would never drink it. And, uh, and I'm still going strong. Elsewhere on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line, Glenn from Nashville wants to know, James Nesta, what does your gut tell you our chances are with this kid? That would be in reference to the four-star linebacker out of Cornelius, North Carolina, who is down to Oklahoma, Miami, and the University of North Carolina in his recruitment. you have any thoughts there, Travis? Um, not necessarily. I mean, I know that we are – you know, oddly enough, running kind of short on, you know, uncommitted guys that we've offered at that position. So it kind of feels like we've got to hit on somebody here soon or else you're going to have to start seeing new offers go out. And that's the last thing you want to see. Obviously, there are late evals. Like, there there are going to be evals of people's senior tape that are going to be like, man, we, you know, we might need to, to grab that guy. But um, you mentioned uh, um, one of them uh, in the last segment. But you know, I I like his arm. I like, I like that much, but it really depends on how much, you know, baseball pulls to it, how much football he wants to play. I don't know. What's your read on that? Well, currently my read on the situation up in Omaha is that Oral Roberts is in, them, is in a little bit of a sticky situation here. Two on, one out for TCU in the eighth inning there. Two to two is the score. Oral Roberts going to the bullpen. Keeping an eye on the Golden Eagles throughout their time in Omaha as we have officially adopted them here on KREF, the home of Sooner fans, as well as the home of Oral Roberts Golden Eagle baseball bandwagoners. So that is where things stand right now for Oral Roberts as they do battle with TCU up at TD Ameritrade Park. Wait, no, it's not TD Ameritrade Park anymore, isn't it? Isn't it Schwab? It's Charles, yeah, it's Gosh, Charles Schwab it. Field. They change the names of these stadiums way too often. Yeah, it is. It is unfortunate. Like you know, so. I, so TD Ameritrade. So I, I almost the Staples Center not so, being the Staples Center anymore is the weirdest one to me personally. Yes. So, Charles Schwab Field, formerly TD Ameritrade Park, sits right across the way from the venue that Creighton plays basketball in, which is currently known as the CHI Health Center, if I'm not mistaken. It is not where they give the media credentials, despite what Parker thought whenever we arrived initially. Yes, despite what I thought, they were not distributed there. But I like I know it in my heart and in my memory is the Quest Center because that's what it was when it opened. And when I was growing up growing to, or going to Creighton basketball games, that's where we would go. We would go to the Quest Center. Then it became the CenturyLink Center – and then it was something else for a while. And at a certain point, I just lost track. So did Porter Moser play at the Quest Center? No, Porter Moser never played at the Quest Center. I want to say the Quest Center opened in 2002, 2003. Funny enough, first Creighton game I ever attended at the Quest Center, though, Porter Moser was on the opposing sideline as the head coach at Illinois State. Well, would you look at that? Full circle. Full 20 circle years indeed. later. Uh and for, for anybody who heard us say Porter Moser and thought, oh, well, I, w- I wonder what basketball's got going on. Um, four-star Chase McCarty um, is going to be taking an official visit to Oklahoma uh, June 19th, uh, you know, two-way wing, 2024 four-star. So, 
you know, Porter got brought up, so might as well tell you that uh, we've got a four-star official visitor coming in. Yeah, as well as T.O. Barrett, a homegrown, homegrown. star yes, in the state need, of Oklahoma. Need to he'll land be, him. Yeah, he'll be taking an official visit within the next few days as well. Um, <laughs> Nick's, Nick on the text line says, it will always be the Ford Center, not the Paycom Center. Gunny of Stutzman Army says, and this goes back to where I kind of got us off on a tangent there, the James Nesta conversation. Uh, Gunny of Stutzman Army says, Nesta is a pitcher, right? Who wouldn't want to learn from Skip the Pitching Guru Johnson? And that is one thing that I have repeatedly mentioned as we've covered this recruitment over the course of the last month or so since OU offered Nesta, is that football is – well, how do I phrase this in fairness? It's not insignificant, but I would say baseball is equally significant to Nesta, which means that if Oklahoma is going to get his commitment, they're going to have to make a strong pitch to him from both a football perspective – Pun intended? And a baseball perspective – Pitch completely unintended, uh, or uh, pun completely unintended. I realized it after the fact. Oh, okay. Pitch. It was good. Thank you. Uh, Dayton Forsyth is in, too, says a listener on the text line. That would be the uh, three-star combo guard from Dale, Oklahoma. Yep, another local guy. So Dale, Oklahoma. Hey, heck of a time for uh, heck of a time for local prospects, right? I mean, you get Andy Bass getting his offer. You know, Xavier Robinson seems to be, you know, a bit more kind of leaning Oklahoma and in, in, in hopefully an announcement coming soon. Uh, you've got preferred walk-on offers going out. You've got, you know, Caden Durham back in town. You know, David Stone back in town. Michael Patterson-McDonald obviously is here. Just a, just a great time to be an Okie, you know what I mean? From a listener in the 909, everyone out in SoCal still calls the Staples Center the Staples Center, not – crypto.com arena is that actually what it's called now yeah. crypto like they replaced they so they took the staples center stripped it of the most iconic name of probably any venue in america if we're being honest with madison ourselves. square garden i imagine would would kind of be the wrigley field probably has a yeah, wrigley but, okay one of the most famous monikers among sports venues in the entire country they strip it of that in order to name it after something that isn't even real yeah, it, it, yeah, it's rough. It's rough. I, yeah, I don't know what those naming rights cost, but I imagine they had to pay actual real U.S. dollars for them. Hey, uh, let's hit a quick break here. Come back up. Uh, come back and wrap up the three o'clock hour here. Oklahoma's four-star quarterback commit in the class of 2024, one Michael Hawkins, is out in California right now, competing at the Elite Eleven. How is he doing? Several of you have asked on the text line. Obviously, we aren't there, but been talking to some folks that are present out in California. So we'll give you the juice on Hawkins' Elite 11 performance and where he ranks among the elite signal callers in this 2024 cycle. When we return, here on The Ref, the Homo Sooner fans, keep it here. Wrapping up our number one of the rush here on The Ref Sports Radio Network. The Twitter space boys, back in action. Parker Thune alongside Travis Davidson. We got you up until 6 p.m. Champion Barbecue festivities kicking off shortly. Official visits, or official visitors, excuse me, are rolling into town as we speak. I unfortunately 
put a good scare into one of our listeners in the 918 who texted in to say, oh my goodness, when you said Hawkins was in California, my heart dropped. I still think the weasel mule shoe may be up to his old tricks. We didn't take players from Oklahoma. We took them from the portal. SMH. No, fortunately for all of you, you have nothing to worry about with Michael Hawkins. He will not be flipping to the University of Southern California. And Muleshoe, he doesn't have a quarterback in the 2024 class yet, does he? I don't believe well, he they, has. They had uh, put all their chips into the Dylan Riola. Well, they weren't the only ones. And uh, Well, yeah, but Nebraska has since recovered by flipping, what, Bellevue West's quarterback, correct? Yeah, Danny Kalen. Right, right, right. Who's so, having himself a nice weekend out at the Elite 11, oh, for what I have been told. Uh, well, I'm, I'm thrilled for him, uh, personally. But, uh, yes, uh, Muleshoe is – although, here's the thing. It's, it's an even recruiting class, right? Because when you look at Muleshoe's history, 2019, he focused on five-star Spencer Rattler. You know, 2020, you know, he, he got Chandler Morris, but he wasn't going after the real big fish, right? Which, ironically now, Chandler Morris is uh, going to be starting at TCU. 2021, he puts his chips in the basket for Caleb Williams. 2022, they get Nick Evers late, along with Jaden Gibson in, in that kind of package deal. Um, and then 2023, he had focused on Malachi Nelson coming. He would always been the get your five stars in the odd number of years because that's you know that's that was just his his strategy. Well, so I don't know if 2024 he might be pushing to 2025 or something like that. Or Parker, he may just be coaching the Las Vegas Raiders, <laughs> and it won't matter. So Sean did say Muleshoe won't be at USC in 24, so won't actually need a quarterback. I think I think that Vegas is going to tank, and I think that Caleb Williams and Lincoln Riley will both be playing and coaching in Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas. Yeah, so on Michael Hawkins and his weekend out at the Elite 11, I guess it's not the weekend, but his experience out at the Elite 11 thus far. From what I have been told, he has been characteristically consistent, solid, but unspectacular. And I think that's part of the reason why you haven't seen him mentioned among the top-tier performers. And it is a star-studded group out there at the Elite 11. You got Dylan Riola, you got DJ Lagway, Julian Sayan, who's committed to Alabama. It's a good group of signal callers out there. And another guy that's had a really, really strong week that hasn't been mentioned in many of the top tens that have been put out by recruiting services on social media is Nebraska's commit, Danny Kalen, who we just mentioned. And mm-hmm. so, look, everything is ranked very subjectively there, but I think what's important to remember is that regardless of what the final rankings say, and there will be a discrepancy between the actual Elite 11 rankings and the rankings that you see from 24-7 and from Rivals and from On3 and from anybody else that's in attendance. There will be a lot of subjectivity, a lot of variation there. What's important to remember is that the Elite 11 has no platform to showcase what perhaps is Michael Hawkins' biggest calling card in his game, and that is that dynamic athleticism yeah, his and running ability. Right. Yeah. So he is by no means a Lamar Jackson. He's got a good arm, good precision, accuracy, smarts in the pocket. He is more than just an athlete who plays the quarterback position. But it is also important to keep that in mind for context, that he's going up against a lot of guys 
over whom he may have a competitive advantage, but you won't see that advantage manifest itself at the Elite 11 because these quarterbacks are just throwing. Right. They're not running. They're not being asked to do anything that requires immense athleticism. And so. And he's got that. When that's a cornerstone of your game and you don't really get the opportunity to showcase it, got to be mindful of what the results say versus what they can't say, if that makes sense. Absolutely. So. We'll see what the final rankings are. I'll be interested. Everybody's always got wildly different opinions on these quarterbacks at the Elite 11. It's one thing you can count on every single year. There were a lot of folks last year saying that Jackson Arnold shouldn't have won it. But the Elite 11 folks thought he won it. And in the end, that was all that mattered. Sooners looking to repeat with two consecutive Elite 11 champions in Arnold and Hawkins. That's it for hour number one of The Rush. Don't go anywhere. Coming up next, we got an update from Omaha as Oral Roberts fights it out down the stretch against TCU and lots more Sooner Sports Talk. It's The Ref, the home of Sooner fans. Stand up, 918. How about those Golden Eagles? It is The Rush on the Ref Sports Radio Network, the home of Sooner fans and the home of Oral Roberts Golden Eagles baseball bandwagoners. Parker Thune, Travis Davidson here with you in studio. Oral Roberts has come from behind to take a 6-5 to lead in the top of the ninth inning on TCU, courtesy of a no-doubter three-run shot to left field from Oral Roberts infielder Blaze Brothers. There's a name for you. Blaze Brothers with the three-run shot to vault ORU into the lead. That's Gunny's, got a six that's Gunny's favorite player. <laughs> you know Gunny's going to be chiming in like, I tell, you, I tell you, I know a thing or two about the Blaze Brothers. Blaze Brothers. Blaze Brothers. That uh, Gunny probably plays in a uh, bluegrass band called the Blaze Brothers on the weekends. <laughs> Greengrass. Band, that Green would be. Grass band, yeah, no doubt. Oral Roberts, three outs away from knocking off TCU and starting things off at the 2023 College World Series with a climactic victory. So we will keep you posted on the happenings there. Oral Roberts still threatening. They've got a base runner on with two outs in their half of the ninth. TCU will have a chance to answer in the bottom of the inning, but right now, we got some oral magic up in Omaha. Love it. The right. Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line is available to you. 405-651-3439. Yep, there's Gunny. I'd blaze with that, brother. <laughs> <laughs> but to be fair, Gunny, I'm not sure you uh, you know, are too prejudiced in your uh, uh in your blazing partners. Uh so, yes, blazing with that brother as well. I'll tell you what, man. They 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 got a little excitement, you know. They were finally down three five, and then just when they need it most, man, top of the ninth. TCU is I saw the graphic thirty seven and one when leading after eight innings. Thirty seven. It's about to be thirty seven and two, boys. Hey, hey, with any luck, baby. Knocking on wood, just to make sure. But yeah. Oral Roberts, man, and I tell you what, I don't know if Blaze Brothers. I don't know a lot about Blaze Brothers. I'd have to imagine. He's hardly ever hit a ball that far in his life because that thing was pummeled. It well, is not often you see a guy at the College World Series clear the left field bullpen. 
But yeah. that is what he did. Absolutely. He got all of that one. CD from Hockley says, gotta love Oral in Omaha. Man, as an Omaha native myself, yes and amen to that. Yeah, Blaze Brothers, easy NIL opportunity according to Mongo from the 918. Okay, we'll keep you updated as Oral Roberts tries to cling to this one-run lead over TCU and preserve what would be their first victory in the College World Series. Would it be their first victory ever? They've only been once, back in 1978 under Larry Koschel. Yeah, I, I don't, don't. I don't think they off, won a game there, though. Did they? I I don't think they did either. So I believe this would be the program's first victory in Omaha. So we will keep an eye on it. The Golden Eagles looking good in the ninth inning of this that baseball. Game. This Omaha run will cause us to uh, really uh, screen the text line carefully uh, if they go on an Omaha run, because not all of the text messages we can read. Uh, about Oral Roberts, uh, I think you guys can put two and two together there. Oh, back to the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line as we reorient. The Champion Barbecue does begin today. Oklahoma hosting upwards of two dozen official visitors. Uh, Todd Bates' nemesis on the text line has a hot take, and that is that Kevin Sperry will be the best quarterback out of Jackson Arnold, Michael Hawkins, Samaj Jones, and, of course, Sperry, who is Already committed to OU in the class of twenty five. Yeah, and 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 really, what I like about Kevin Sperry, I mean, there's a lot to like about his game for sure, um, but he's he's really filled out nicely, like back and shoulder. Even when he throws now, he looks like he's ready to. I mean, not quite ready to play college ball. He certainly doesn't look like a twenty twenty five kid. Um, even even so much so when he was at a rivals camp, a lot of people thought he was a twenty twenty four guy competing for the MVP honors. Michael Hawkins ended up winning those MVP honors at that camp, but a lot of people think he's ahead of his, you know, ahead of schedule, if you will, uh, as a quarterback. What I like about him is he camped at all five Brent Venables elite high school camps, all five, him and his 2027 quarterback brother, Rozzy. And that's valuable because, and I, I talked to his dad, Kevin Sperry Sr., about this, and they said, look, he wants to get reps in, with Lebby, he wants to get reps in with wide receivers that he could be throwing to. I mean, you had guys like like Andrew Marsh and uh, um, uh, Grayson Harris and all these guys, these 2025 wide receiver guys, and 2025 defensive backs that we might be after. And the staff is getting a better opportunity to evaluate these guys because if I don't know if you guys have watched one-on-one out there before in a lot of these camps, so much is relied – on the quarterback throwing a good ball. If the quarterback that's camping, because it's not like they've got, you know, it's not like they've got Jackson Arnold out there throwing or Dylan Gabriel out there throwing. Like, they've got campers throwing. So if you get a quarterback that's no good and he airmails it, well, you don't know if that D-back or if that wide receiver might be any good either. So getting Kevin out there, understanding how important it is for him to be out there, I think is really impressive early. Yeah, if – if your take is that Kevin Sperry is going to be the best quarterback out of those four, and obviously Samaj Jones' commitment to Oklahoma is pending. It may happen. It may not happen. He's coming in on official visit this weekend. As of right now, that's a battle between OU and West Virginia. Those are the two schools in the market. Well, there are several schools in the market, but those are the two schools legitimately in play for Samaj Jones. I could be persuaded that Sperry ends up better than – 
all the rest. Simply because, and I think Teddy Lehman said it well yesterday when we were on the air together, everything Kevin Sperry does looks so effortless. Right. And he, and I've, if I've said it once, I've said it a thousand times at this point, he is more advanced at that age than Jackson Arnold was. So, if he progresses in line with the way that Jackson Arnold progressed his last two years of high school, we're talking about a guy that should be in the conversation for number one player in the country. Right, and I don't think it's a coincidence that we lead for so many big-time 2025 wide receivers. I mean, you start to go down the list, and there are a lot of them. I mean, I mean, you, you talk about guys like Adrian Wilson and Grayson Harris and Isaiah Mosey, um, Andrew Marsh, these kind of guys, and you're like, you know, a lot of them just want to play with Sperry, especially the guys that are in kind of that Oklahoma and Texas area that know about Sperry. They've seen him play. I, I think with that combined with Emmett Jones kind of really getting his hitting his stride as a recruiter with that OU logo, yeah, the passing game at Oklahoma is in very good hands moving forward. Update on our Oral Roberts Golden Eagles. Yes. National Stopper of the Year, Cade Denton, is on the bump to try and close it out for Oral in the bottom of the ninth. They've got a 6-5 edge on TCU. Denton, who again, was voted by the Collegiate Baseball Writers Association as the Stopper of the Year, which I get. I don't know why they don't just call it Closer of the Year. Stopper of the Year seems like a very weird title. Yeah, that maybe that, they're trying to open it up to guys that maybe they're trying to open up to a broader to like the bullpen that, too. Yeah, maybe not just ninth inning guys, but relievers in general. Even then, reliever of the year that'll work. Well, Cade Denton has retired one, two to go, two outs to go. Gets a strikeout to open the ninth. Oral Roberts is two outs away from defeating TCU as we all expected. As we, I, th- th- there was never a doubt in my mind. I mean, when I when I watched OU beat them there in the nine one eight, on that gorgeous night there in Tulsa, um, I'm you know I looked at them and I said, yeah, it's probably an Omaha team. They'll probably uh, clip TCU in the first game. It's what I expected. So we'll see if that comes to fruition. How about this? You want to have some fun with names? This broke about fifteen minutes ago on Twitter, courtesy of Max Olson of the oh, Athletic. Okay, okay, Max. Good thing they okay they didn't let him go. That's good. He might be one of five employees left at the Athletic <laughs> after their recent cuts. North Texas defensive back Mobility has entered the transfer portal. <laughs> we, Travis just about spit out his drink. <laughs> will you say? Will you sp- spell that? Mobility. Spell that, please. First name Mo M O H, Ability B I L I T Y. That his last name is Ability. This yes, Mobility. <laughs> Well, with that name, I'm not shocked he's in the portal. You know, player mobility is uh, is is a popular thing uh, in 2023, and the portal has helped with that. But that's that. What a great name! What publication is it that comes out with like the the all name team? Is it like a barstool thing? I forget what it is, but I know General Booty is uh, about to be starting his second year at uh, first team all name quarterback. So I need to find what publication that is. Imagine General Booty. And mobility on the same roster. Get this dude to OU as a PWO. Man, mobility. Hey, you know he's in the portal. You know we we're still open for business in the portal. TCU has managed a base runner 
on Cade Denton in the bottom of the ninth inning up in Omaha. The, Oral Roberts leads six to five, one out. The good news is you cannot win the game on a game-ending double play unless you have a runner on first for the most part. So maybe they're just setting it up for the dramatic. We know how the Golden Eagles are. From the 918, mobility on the move to OU. <laughs> I like it. I mean, weren't they shopping around for a Juco cornerback there? Yes. That's what I'm saying. I'm so like, why not mobility? Jay Valai, if you're listening, which I doubt you are. Jay Valai, hopefully you got, you're, hopefully you you're not listening. you fish to fry right now. Jay Valai, if you are listening. On the please, off chance you're listening. Please stop listening and, and pay attention to the visitors. Who all does Jay Valai got coming this weekend? We had a big weekend last weekend. He did have a big weekend. He had three last corners in last weekend. He had a lot to he had a lot to manage, a lot to balance. Um, he had what Eli Bowen, Marcellus Williams, and Kobe Black in last weekend. So uh, I'm not sure who I, I forget who he's got in. I know he's got um, I know he's got somebody. In. Let me get it. let me get it right here. Ba, 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 ba. He's got uh, well Devin Jordan. Devin Jordan up there from you go. up from there you go. I should have known that he's from my alma mater, from Union. Yeah, so. what's the scoop on that? What's the oh, scoop and Jer- on is, is Nukem in? Nukem is in, yes. Okay, so um, I, you know what? I need to. Uh, I need. I've been spending so much time in Norman these last few weeks. I need to get back to Tulsa and uh, get some some Devin Jordan scoopage, if you will. Yeah, come on now. You're yeah. the nine one eight guy. I know, man. People uh, got Devin Jordan questions. You got to have Devin Jordan answers. I know. Well, uh, I mean, I'll be I'll be getting in with him. Might as well uh, reach out to Mo- Mobility. See, see, see who's reaching out to him. Mongo said, "Mobility, the face of Mobetta's new delivery marketing campaign." Yes, I can see it. We've I'll done broker it. that deal. Yep, the NIL deal that has to happen. I got friends in high places at Mobetta's. At least I like to think so. Let's hit a break here. Open up the four o'clock hour here on the Rush. Parker Thune, Travis Davidson, with you on the ref. The home of Sooner fans. When we return, we'll keep talking Champion Barbecue. Keep it coming on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line, 405-651-3439. Don't go anywhere. I'm on the edge of my seat, Travis. TCU Oral Roberts going down to the wire up in Omaha for those just joining the program. Parker Thune, Travis Davidson with you on a Friday afternoon. And the KREF Army has officially adopted the Oral Roberts Golden Eagles as our team throughout the course of their run to and through Omaha. TCU has two runners on, one out in the bottom of the ninth. Oral Roberts leads that game 6-5, to five, courtesy of a three-run homer in the top of the ninth by Gunny of Stutzman Army's favorite player, Blaze Brothers. And, you know, stopper of the year, which, again, pro- probably the, the worst name for what should be closer of the year or reliever of the year uh, on the bump so man a game of uh, some drama of course uh, ORU has has punched back a couple times but in the bottom of the ninth with TCU threatening runner in scoring position let's see what can happen obviously on the home of ORU Golden Eagle bandwagoners uh, as well as the Sooner fans we will keep you updated on this but Parker, um, I want you to tell me what one of our favorite games, right? Is who's next, right? Give me, Ooh. give me, and specific to 
people that are here this weekend, your next three commitments of people that are here this weekend. Now, this this doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, or, or you know, the next three commits. I'm just saying from the list of the over two dozen visitors that you have in front of you, who are the next three to commit to the University of Oklahoma? The easy answer is Jay Sean Ross. So okay. let me just start there. That's why that's why I did three instead of just uh, one. It's very abundantly clear that Oklahoma has a shot to close that one out this weekend. Now, is it 100% certain that they closed out? No, no, not necessarily. OU leads by a hefty margin, but he's mentioned that he's got a couple more visits that he would like to take. But also, he doesn't have those visits on the calendar. So <laughs> we're already halfway through June. Yeah. This will be his first official, only official to date. And so if he's if he's wanting to take other visits, he's got to do them next weekend or wait until September, Travis. And I would imagine Oklahoma is not going to want Jay Sean Ross to wait until September. No. They so They don't want anybody to wait until September. So, if you're Miguel Chavis and the rest of the OU staff, as Cade Denton gets a strikeout to put Oral Roberts one out away from victory Ooh, in Omaha. Got him chasing. If you're Miguel Chavis and the OU staff, this is kind of the weekend where you're just real with a kid like that. And you tell him, man, look, I understand you want to have fun with the process, but look, it's pretty obvious this is where you want to be. Let's just lock this thing in. Cash in your chip. Help us recruit an elite class in Norman. Otherwise, it just doesn't make much sense from our end to keep playing this game with you for another three months. Now, it's not to say you posit it in such a way where the kid feels like, okay, either I commit this weekend or OU's out on me. But there is a way, and (laughs) the coaches know this far better than any of us, there is a way to make it evident to a kid that you would prefer for him to just go ahead and commit this weekend as opposed to playing with your heartstrings for another matter of weeks. So I'm going to say the OU staff pulls it off this weekend with Jay Sean Ross. I'm going to say he locks it in. It's another high-profile name here, but I feel real confident about where OU stands. And I'm willing to go ahead and project that they get him here shortly. Caden Durham, wow. four-star running back out of Duncanville. The, the kid took a visit to U, uh, UTSA. He took an official visit to UTSA earlier this week as Oral Roberts closes it out. Cade Denton gets the win. Oral Roberts is victorious over TCU, 6-5. to five. A triumphant debut in Omaha for our Golden Eagles. Blaze Brothers. The hero of the day. The hero of the week. The hero of the state. You know, Texas Christian might have had a better chance, but TCU, they were drawn dead from the get-go. Caden Durham, Travis. I think despite all the LSU buzz that there was for a while there, it's it's become kind of clear, and you don't have to look any further than the official visit to A&M. Look, he, he's not going to A&M. And the official visit to UTSA, obviously he's not going to UTSA. He's just trying to kind of have fun with the process while he still can before he commits. And I think this could be the weekend where he commits. 
because he gets back around his buddies, Xavier Robinson, David Stone, Michael Patterson McDonald, all those dudes that he grew up around. Man, it's going to be hard for him to get out of this weekend without maybe not without having committed to Oklahoma, but without being very, very close to just locking it in. So, I'll say Caden Durham commits. Third one that I would add to that short list. This is more dart-throwing territory, a little bit more so. No, it is. Yeah, yeah. I'll go with James Nesta. That would be very welcome. I mentioned earlier the linebacker, you know, kind of offer list, the linebacker board is getting shorter and shorter. So, locking in James Nesta would would be a good pull. So tell me tell me why he uh he's in your top 3 most likely to commit next. Simply because Oklahoma can offer him the ability to play both sports at the highest level, right? They can say we got a program that has been to the college football playoff on four occasions. We got a baseball team that was the national runner up at the College World Series a year ago. And this year went into ORU's stadium and beat them (laughs) so by that time ORU might be the national champions so you've got a little bit of more baseball squeeze too not only that but you also throw in the fact that you have no linebackers committed right now so you can pitch it to James Nesta as hey look you're our guy you can be the guy at linebacker in this class be our Peyton Pierce for Ohio State be the guy that helps recruit an elite defensive class around you as the very first guy through the wall at linebacker. And also, he's a Carolina kid. So, who does he have a lot of familiarity with as a Carolina kid? Brent Venables. I would imagine being in that region, you know, you you would just think to yourself, look, the linebacker whisperer, if you will, is Brent Venables. This isn't recruiting a Cali kid or anything like that. Or even... A Pacific Northwest guy, like a Braden Platt. Like I feel like I feel like if you're going to want to play linebacker for Brent Venables, yeah, you gotta come from that region for the most part. And his high school runs a defense that is modeled after Venables scheme. So in Nesta's eyes, and he's kind of gone quiet ever since he started taking his official visits. So I haven't had the can uh, the chance to catch up with him in several weeks now. But as he phrased to me, look, he's he sees a very natural scheme fit for him at Oklahoma because everything that Venables and the Sooner staff does, everything that they scheme, it's stuff that he's familiar with, having run a similar play style on the defensive side of the ball in high school. So I can see this weekend going very well with James Nesta. And I'm not quite as confident with him as I would be with Jay Sean Ross or Caden Durham. It's because it's also his first trip to OU. He has no frame of reference for what he's getting himself into as far as the culture and the feel of the program and the city, the region even. Would not be unprecedented from somebody to come from that, you know, that Atlantic coast to show up in Norman and go ahead and commit after one visit, though. Would not be unprecedented. No, no, certainly not. So, I I think there's a chance. And I will say that with Nesta, that decision's probably coming pretty quickly whether it goes in Oklahoma's favor or not. 
Gunny uh, says the linebacker guru and the pitching guru, Nesta, come learn from the besta. I'll accept it. I approve. Uh, another listener in the 909 asks, what happens if Nesta gets drafted in the first round of the MLB draft? Well, that's that might be putting the cart before the horse, but you revisit things at that point. However, uh, Deuce Robinson is, a pe- is apparently going to try to play college football and professional baseball at the same time. I don't know if you saw that. According but- to Lincoln Riley. Is that what Lincoln Riley said? I thought Lincoln Riley all, – all Lincoln Riley said was, no, he's coming to USC and playing football and baseball here. Oh, I, th- I thought it. I thought it was. Oh, that's the interview I saw of. He intends to play college football here, but he Apparently intends he's to play. Try to do both. But while playing professionally, yes, in baseball. Now, I don't know how that all works out. I I am not sure how you maintain college eligibility. Maybe maybe it's because it's a different sport. You can play professionally in one sport, play collegiately in another. I guess he's forfeiting his college eligibility in baseball. If that's what he does. But apparently, the word is, Deuce Robinson is going to try to play minor league baseball and college football at the same time. If uh, he must be on that Stetson Bennett academic plan, because if you try and remain. Yeah, not a chance he's getting a college degree. If you want to remain academically eligible while playing a professional sport, and that's the thing, like, like, no matter the type of athlete you are, it is hard to make the show. Like you have to, you have to grind that out. You've got no matter where you're picked, it is hard to make the show. You've got to grind that out. So do that on top of playing college football, on top of trying to remain academically eligible. Ooh, I don't know. This sounds like uh, this sounds like just a mess waiting to happen. It's a good day in the state of Oklahoma. It's a great day. Oral Roberts wins at the College World Series over TCU. The Champu Barbecue kicks off. We got so much to talk about over the last 90 minutes of this show before we call it a night here on The Rush. It is the ref, the Homo Sooner fans. Keep it right here. We'll continue to hit your text next on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line, 405 651 3439. It's a Friday here on Locked In. Wait, it's not locked in anymore. Gosh, one show bleeds into the next. I know. It's The Rush. There you go. It's the, I don't do. I don't usually do the rush. That's We're only an hour and a half into it, so you know, oh, man, you caught on. Parker Thune, Travis Davidson here with you. Sorry if you tuned in for Tyler McComas and Teddy Lehman. They'll be back together on Monday, but the Twitter Space Boys is what you get. Tell you what, Grill Boy and Battery Boy, Chat GBT in the house. <laughs> I love Chat GBT. Grill Boy and Battery Boy, not as big on that one, but Chat GBT, I can get behind it. Yeah, I'm proud of that one. Now, the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line is always available to those of you that want to chime in. 405-651-3439 is the text line. 405-651-3439. And as we return to breaking down this Champion Barbecue visit list, Travis, I want you to identify one guy. One guy on this list that you think is... And I'm, I'm going to take away the easy answer here. You're not allowed to say David Stone. Oh, man. But one guy on this list that you feel like is a big, big wild card coming into the weekend. That is to say, you're not necessarily expecting him to commit, but if things go flawlessly, there's a world in which that happens. And to an extent, that could be said about anybody. 
but all of these recruitments are not the same. And obviously, if you're plugged into the dynamics of said recruitments, you get the sense that there are certain guys who are high enough on OU that a really, really solid official visit weekend, you know, staff knocks it out of the park, flawless experience start to finish. They'd kind of get caught up in the heat of the moment and be willing to say, hey, you know what? Forget it. I don't need to take any more visits. I'll use the spot. I'm going to go with the number one running back in the country, Taylor Tatum. Hello. Because he was reportedly between Michigan and Oklahoma for a while. Well, it seems like it seemed like Oklahoma had pulled ahead in that race up until his USC official visit. Mule shoe. And Mule shoe got his dirty mitts, his grubby mitts all over it. Um and they they seemingly took the lead, right? So what does that tell me? It tells me that it could have been a touch of post visit high that you know, happens to all kinds of uh, recruits, right? That post-visit high, you know, you feel real good about it. You might have been close to committing. Maybe you didn't commit. OU has benefited from that. Other schools benefit. Everybody benefits from the post-visit high. So I think that if OU pre-USC visit was a perceived leader for him taking over from Michigan, I think that we have the possibility – that if this OV goes extremely well, just like you said, if everything goes right, that I believe that OU should be able to lock down the number one running back in the country, that is Taylor Tatum. Now, what that does to Tatum Durham, I'm not sure. Is there a world where you can land a class of Taylor Tatum, Caden Durham, and like a Xavier Robinson? I think that world does exist. Is it a probability? No, I don't think anybody would go that far, but it's definitely a possibility. And I think the least likely at this point in time is Taylor Tatum. So if you're able to just knock it out of the park, much like Blaze Brothers did, nice. Then I think I think that's what I'm going with. I think you can get all three if you land Taylor Tatum after this OV. I think the staff needs to push for that. I'll relay what I've been told by a couple of sources that have intimate knowledge of the Taylor Tatum recruitment. And that is that if this process were entirely up to Taylor Tatum, which, as we know, very rarely these days is it all the way up to a five-star recruit because you get that fifth star and (laughs) some characters enter the mix. Yeah. So if what I have been told, though, is that if this process were completely up to Taylor Tatum, the number one running back in the country, per the industry composite. He would already be committed to Oklahoma. Hmm. So, I feel as though this weekend might be less about selling Tatum on OU and more about selling his circle on OU. Because, yes, Michigan has faded. Feels like USC is the new Michigan in that recruitment. And Michigan's going to get him on campus next weekend, so maybe they come roaring back into that thing in a big way. I still don't totally discount Texas A&M there either because of the bag factor, naturally. But Taylor Tatum himself loves DeMarco Murray, loves the University of Oklahoma. I look at this weekend as one where, and I would put it on the same plane as Zion Raggins in this regard. 
Feels like you've already sold the kid on OU. You just have to sell everybody else that has a say in the process on Oklahoma. What, what do you consider the likelihood of that? It's hard to gauge, man. The other thing about it, too, is Taylor Tatum hasn't been to Oklahoma in a long time. It's been months since his last visit. So I, I'm keeping expectations moderate there with Tatum, but I like where OU sits with Durham. Really like where they sit with Xavier Robinson, which I would not have said even a week ago. That right. thing is that recruitment has kind of been all over the place, but but it seems like it's starting to trend back in OU's favor, pretty nicely. And part of the reason, if not all of the reason for that, was based on his visit, right? I mean, that's that that I think that's what I'm kind of saying about hey, look, if everything goes right, you know, you could turn the tide for Taylor Tatum because I, I do think that 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 Tatum Durham. Um, Robinson class is on the table because I believe that DeMarco Moore, Murray's short list of kids he'll even take in this class <laughs> includes those three names and only one other name. So if you are only basically willing to take four running backs in this class and you say, you know what, if I don't get them, I'll take zero in this class. Um, yeah, I think uh, I think he'll do what he can to get all three. Chapstick on the text line says, Glad to hear one of my favorite hosts on the radio. Saddened that I have to listen to one of my least favorite. You guys feel free to sort out which of you is which and let me know. Love what BV is recruiting on the defensive side of the ball. Hope we get some elite offensive linemen. Bill Biedenboe deserves it. How about this? We're going to take a break. Travis and I will sort out who Chapstick loves and who Chapstick hates. And when we return, we will discuss the offensive line picture. Sooners had seven offensive linemen in for official visits last weekend. They got three more coming in for official visits this weekend. And they've got one more coming in for a midweek visit in the days ahead as well. Who am I referring to? And who ultimately ends up in Bill Bedenboe's class at Oklahoma in the 2024 cycle? We'll discuss next. Keep it right here on The Ref, the home of Sooner fans. It is the rush winding down here on a Friday afternoon. One more hour to go once we close out the 4 o'clock hour. Travis Davidson alongside Parker Thune. Travis, I tell you what, man. We talk a lot of recruiting on these airwaves all throughout the year. Obviously, we've talked a lot more recruiting this week because of the Champion Barbecue and the weekend that Oklahoma has ahead for upwards of two dozen official visitors. I, I got to say this, man. Recruiting in the NIL era is a beast to try and cover because you feel like you can't be 100% certain about anything. Well, you can't. Not, and, not you feel like you can't. You can't. <laughs> Perfect example. I got told by a couple sources this morning, hey, Zion Raggins probably hadn't taken his official visit to Georgia. Now, I hear that. A year or two ago, I'm probably just reporting, hey, doesn't sound like Zion Raggins is going to make it to Georgia for the official visit. Instead, what I ended up posting on OUinsider.com was, uh, sounds like Zion Raggins is probably not making that trip, but he also lives an hour and a half away from Athens, and it wouldn't take long for those plans to change, theoretically. Lo and behold, they changed. 
And now he's on the precipice of beginning an official visit with Georgia. So, again, recruiting is a roller coaster, always has been, has especially been even more of a roller coaster, been a heightened roller coaster experience since the NIL era dawned in July of 2021. And now Oklahoma is going to have to hold off the back-to-back national champions to try and secure a commitment from the four-star wideout from the Peach State. Tough to do, especially given uh, what their classes look like uh, there. But, you know, it's, you know, we... We t- we've talked ad nauseum about, you know, the right way to do NIL. Is there a right way? Is there a proven way to do NIL? Nothing's proven yet. Uh, it's all very, very new. We're only on our third class, really, that has even had NIL as an opportunity. Obviously, 2022 led by that A&M class. And then you started to see people like Tennessee and Miami and um, others really lean into NIM. Texas, obviously, with their offensive line. Um, but we're not sure what works, right? Uh, I don't think anybody... You know, around here, or really anywhere in the country, if they've got two brain cells to rub together, <laughs> thinks that Georgia won their national championships because of NIL. Uh, I don't think anybody thought that about Alabama, you know, uh, as they went on runs or anything like that. Like, it wasn't always just NIL. So, I will be of the opinion that until I'm, until it's proven to me that buying players, like just outright dropping bags, like yeah. NIL has to be part of the equation. We know it. It doesn't have to – it can't be the main thing because we don't have any evidence that that results in winning at the highest level. I mean, TCU played a national championship last year. You think they bagged their way there? No, they didn't. So it's – I don't know. We, we will see. Again, it's way too new. I could be completely wrong on this, but I still think that relational is the way to go, and the kids that want to be transactional is what it is. Consider this for a moment if you will. Which three programs would you say have the strongest organizational culture and foundation in college football? Organizational, uh, I'd probably say Alabama. Bingo. Clemson and Georgia. Yes. Three for three. How many of the last ten national championships have those three programs combined for? Uh, A significant number. Probably like eight. In the college football playoff era, who has won a title? outside of those three programs, LSU with their lightning in a bottle run for the ages in 2019 and Ohio state. That's it. That's it. And we've discussed, you know, Ohio state always going to have a ton of talent. Hardline, especially always recruits insane offensive talent uh, up there. And uh, now they can't beat Michigan anymore. So that's something to watch, but LSU, obviously, they can have buffoons coach them, and it doesn't matter um, because Louisiana is always going to produce a ton of talent. But, yeah, uh, it's the thing. It's culturally Clemson, Bama, Georgia. Like, yeah, do they have strong NIL programs? Sure, sure. But it, that's the, you see programs like Miami, Texas A&M, Texas, really dropping bags and – Compare the three programs that you talked about being the most culturally sound. Yes. And compare them to the collective, no pun intended, collective records of those three programs that are known for dropping bags now, and I think you have your answer. Oregon's always had money to spend. And Oregon in the NIL era will always be a big player for recruits that want to pay out. And Oregon, 
will also always win a lot of games. But that's because they play in the Pac-12. Right, until they and move to the Big Ten. You look at programs that have a little bit more competition in their conference, top to bottom, and that have tried to buy their way to winning, i.e. Miami and Texas A&M. They both went 5-7 and seven a year ago. Texas A&M on the heels of signing the greatest recruiting class in modern history, at least according to the rankings. So, yeah, you got to have the dudes. But culture is critical if you want to build not just a championship team, but a championship program. Because I mentioned that in the college football play- playoff era, for instance, national champions other than the three schools with the strongest culture in the country, Clemson, Bama, and Georgia, the only other programs that have won titles in the college football playoff era are Ohio State and LSU. The common denominator between those two championship teams is that they were a flash in the pan. Now, Ohio State has historically won a lot of games, too. They weren't as much of a flash in the pan as LSU. But if you were a championship team, and I think LSU is the perfect example of this, right? A championship team is a team that has the dudes to make one legendary run if they can put it all together over the course of a season. LSU did that in 2019 and went all the way. Good for them. The mark of a championship program is that you are back in those championship scenarios every single season, playing for title after title after title. Right. I believe LSU over the next two seasons had a losing record after their title. So, to your point, yes, flash in the pan. Now LSU has some flashes in the pan with, you know, Les Miles and, and, and Ed O, but flashes nonetheless. But that's why I like where Oklahoma's going with their kind of their PWO offers, trying to get a lot of local kids, a lot of Oklahoma kids. Even if they play their, you know, senior and junior years elsewhere, they're still Oklahoma kids. I think that is going to do wonders for the strength of the culture in Norman. And you want to build a championship program as opposed to a championship team because a championship program is sustainable. Championship teams, yeah, maybe every so often you'll have rollover into the next season, but more often than not, there comes a point at which the well runs dry and you got to figure stuff out and figure it out in a hurry. Otherwise, as Ed O and his staff found out, you end up being the scapegoat that takes the fall. Got an hour ahead to go here on The Rush on a Friday. Parker Thune alongside Travis Davidson. We'll be back for more Sooner Talk coming up next. Keep it here on The Ref, the home of Sooner fans.